Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From m and rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. How's it going? I'm pretty good. Thank you for asking. Oh, that's great. Shut up, Barry. We just got back from LA. I had to spend like five days with you and I've had enough. We got a great show for you today, so let's get right into the intro. Here we go. Our first segment will be Worst Things First, those glorious few minutes where I yell about the shittiest news of the week. After that, I've got some beef with anyone who has anything bad to say about Beyonce, Queen B, Beyonce, Giselle, Knowles, Carter. I will be debunking everyone who's ever said anything negative about her, you motherfucks. Because it was my B-Day last week, and it's her B-Day in like three weeks. So it's Matt and Beyonce season. Matt Bayesai is how you would pronounce it, if we were one. And finally, we're bringing back one half of one of my favorite podcasts, Throwing Shade. Aaron Gibson will be in the studio. We're going to talk about the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal, a comedy festival, which was... A tiny bit of a shit show this year, according to the rumors. Also, Aaron has a brand new book coming out this September, and we're going to talk about so much more. That's coming up, so stay tuned. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's start the show. All right, horse things first. The segment where I bring you the worst news of the week. First, first, a grandma in Texas shot a man who walked into her house after she saw him masturbating while riding his bike. Wait. So. Hold on. (laughs) Here's the story. Basically, this, this grandma was just taking the garbage out, you know, and then she took the garbage out, am I right? With a gun. Because she saw this man um, riding a bike while masturbating, which honestly- Wait, do you remember when I texted you about that? 
Because you were masturbating on a bike? Yeah, and texting at the same time. No, I saw a dude masturbate. I was there was this man who was biking and he had like this big platform and his dog was sitting on the platform in front of the bike and I was so distracted by the adorable dog. And then when I finally looked at him, I looked at his face and he was making this weird face. And then I looked and he was wearing an apron and one of his hands was like definitely doing some stuff down there. And you were the first person I texted about it. Did you shoot him? Unfortunately, no. Then you're not a hero. You are complicit in his behavior. You just let it happen. What did the grandma do? Also, he was wearing an apron, so he probably was was... just cooking. He was mincing something. (laughs) Yeah, mincing his dick. Uh, Anyway, this man was riding his bike while masturbating, and this woman saw it, and she yelled at him to stop, and he didn't. But then she went inside, and he tried to follow her inside, which is a no-no. And so he, uh, then she, like, took out a gun and shot him through the door. (laughs) He's not dead. He is expected to survive. Uh, but this woman is a hero. I feel like he really learned his lesson. We'll see. <laughs> Apparently, it's not even the first time that he has been like charged with mischief. Because the week before, he was charged with exposing himself after he was allegedly caught walking down the street with no clothes. So at least he was on a bike this time. Next! A 27-year-old man faked his own death and staged mortuary photos to stop his wife from asking him for money. Whoa. As you do. (laughs) Basically, I guess his wife wanted some money, and this man was like, I don't want to give you any money. So he staged photos of himself with cotton wool stuffed into his nostrils and mouth and a white sheet over his body. I don't know what this man (laughs) thinks that dead people look like <laughs> so he's like let me just shove a cotton ball up my nostril <laughs> that's what they do and uh, put a bed sheet over myself these photos you'll have to look it up because they are they don't look like a dead person <laughs> at all <laughs> first of all he looks like he's smiling he looks like he's just woke up from like the dentist oh my God, yeah no <laughs> Like, the dentist just barely put him to sleep. That's what it looks like. So he sent his wife these photos. She lives in Honduras. I guess the, like, local media started reporting on his death, and his, like, parents and the rest of his family (laughs) got wind of it and were like, oh, no, he's dead. So he had to, like... What did he think was going to happen? You know, the other option is just don't send her money, or unless you are legally obligated to send her money. Next, a woman in Florida, only in Florida, was fleeing police for an alleged drug possession. They were chasing her down. She ditched her car and ran into a pasture where a herd of 16 cows is responsible for helping capture her. Boom! Anyway, a group of officers who are like watching this chase happening from the helicopter said, if you see a large group of cows, they're literally following her. Moving along. Moving along. Last week, travelers in Berlin got caught in a rather unexpected airport issue involving sex toys because the airport was suspicious of this man with a large bag that he refused to open insisting that it was full of technical stuff the entire terminal terminal d 
Oh, was closed at 11 a.m. while a suspicious bag was inspected because the contents could not be discovered from a scan. And the police said it was suspicious. The owner was uh, called to discuss the matter, but he refused to open it. And everybody was like, what's going on? What's in here? Turns out it included a variety of sex toys, such as a vibrator. (laughs) That's what this article says. Wow. (laughs) Glad. I'm glad that they specified. Um, An hour-long investigation involving the bomb squad determined that they were not dangerous. Just dickalicious. I, <laughs> I can't think of an adverb, an adjective. I once had a similar scenario. I had my People's Choice Award that I won in 2016. Drew, I don't know if I've mentioned Did you, that before. You won us. That's um, incredible. Yeah, I, this is the first time I'm ever talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I won a People's Choice Award in 2016. Awesome, You're so accomplished. Thank you. And uh, I had to bring it on the airplane. I didn't want to put it in the checked bag. I wanted it with me. But it is just a heavy-looking piece of glass. And... The outline looks like a giant dildo. Mm-hmm. And the screen, it came up and it just looked like a, a giant butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> and the person was like, what the fuck is that? We're going to have to take a look. And then I bent over <laughs> and spread my cheeks. And then they let me go. And they let the Berlin people go too, right? Yes. Eventually, everybody continued along with their day. It was just a regular old incident. The point is, do not be embarrassed by your suitcase full of dildos. If you're brave enough to bring it on an airplane, you're brave enough to display it to the world. Why not? Also, what did you think was going to happen? Like, you kind of expect that you might have to open your bag for someone. And finally, the official location for the U.S. Pizza Museum will be Chicago and not New York City, bitches. Take that. And people are not happy about it. People from New York aren't happy about it. First of all, it's a fucking pizza museum. All right. It does not matter. (laughs) (laughs) If you're from New York and you're shitting your pants over a fucking pizza museum uh, because it'll be in Chicago and not New York, shut the fuck up. It doesn't matter. Just go to Two Bros, buy a dollar slice, and shove it in your fucking esophagus so you shut the fuck up. (laughs) For someone who claims to not care, really sounds like you care. Um... And that's it for Worst Things First. Next up, we got a deep dive in honor of Beyonce. Sasha Fierce. Illuminati. Bootylicious. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. All right, so this week I saw our Lord and Savior, Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter, and her husband Sean performing the On the Run 2 tour out in New Jersey. It was my third time seeing Beyonce live. Obviously, it was spectacular and amazing and life changing, and nobody commands a fucking audience like Beyonce. Not to mention, before she even went on, the police made every one of the 50,000 people in the audience evacuate because of a tornado warning in New Jersey. 
And we all did it. Okay, we waited under fucking concrete for like an hour just to see Beyonce. There aren't many performers who people would be willing to put up with that shit for. But when Beyonce tells you to wait, you fucking wait. We also saw Beyonce's cover of the Vogue September issue come out this week, which she reportedly had unprecedented control over. Because if anybody can look at Anna Winter in the face and say, you will remove your sunglasses and never meet my eyes directly, it's Miss Motherfucking Carter. Okay. But of course, whenever there is Beyonce news, there are Beyonce naysayers who like to crawl out of their little cupboards and fucking fart out their diarrhea opinions as if hating the most nominated woman in Grammy's history makes them fucking special. Hating one of the greatest entertainers of all time is not a fucking personality. It doesn't make you interesting. It doesn't mean you have good taste in music. It means your soul will never know peace. It means you would rather willingly scoff at greatness than accept happiness and joy. It means you're a fucking idiot. And one day Beyonce will strap on her six inch stilettos and dance on your grave. So today I would like to debunk some of the hateful claims against Beyonce because these are facts. She has sold over 100 million records, one of the world's best-selling music artists, 22 Grammys, most awarded artist at the MTV Video Music Awards, the highest paid black musician in history, and she's the first and only musical act in Billboard chart history to debut at number one with their first six solo studio albums. You don't get there through mediocrity, motherfuckers. And I am joined by Barry and producer Josh, all of whom went with me to see Beyonce in person last week. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> it was my first time seeing her, and it was amazing. Um, we brought Josh on, by the way, because he's essentially a Beyonce expert. <laughs> Encyclopedia. A, a Beyonce historian, yes. <laughs> first, the biggest claim, I would say, against Beyonce is that she is overrated. No! You know who else is overrated? Your mom. When wow. she walked into the alley to give birth to you and the stray cats moved out of her fucking way because they gave her way more respect than she fucking deserved, is my point. Nothing irritates me more than people who dislike something only because other people like it. It reminds me of that meme of Gabrielle Union where she's like, did that put money in your pocket? Did you get the job? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was my, I'm like... I wrote, maybe if you'd sacrifice to the same God that Beyonce did, you'd be a billionaire and not just a scrub who tweets, I don't really like Beyonce during your 15 minute break from Jimmy John's. <laughs> Cold. <laughs> no disrespect to people who work at Jimmy John's, except for Jimmy John. Next! People say everything she does is scripted and choreographed and manufactured. As if, like, if they're, you could just, like, plug anybody into the Beyonce diva machine and an icon would get pooped out. They'd be everywhere. Wrong, bitch. Motherfuckers have tried and motherfuckers have failed. You will never be Beyonce. Also, sorry, every other artist you apparently see is just, like, standing naked in the middle of a dirt ditch. No. <laughs> Effort goes into every single fucking person that you like. 
Does that make sense? <laughs> it's just like, don't act like the person you see is just like freshly birthed and like no effort has gone into creating who they are as an artist. It's like, why are you mad? Because she's prepared? Yeah. That literally makes no sense. Like, she's competent. Also guaranteed she could stand in the middle of a dirt fucking patch and naked and sing better than any of your other in little fact, she has. Deja vu. <laughs> yeah. Um, baby boy. Mm-hmm. She's in the middle of that field and she like does the African dance and does the flip over her head. The other thing I hate is when people are like, well, like hundreds of people write her music for her. She doesn't even write herself. False. God didn't personally write the Bible. All right. He had his apostles do that shit. He spoke through them. (laughs) And it's just factually incorrect, right? Like, she wrote Bootylicious. She was the youngest... At one point, she was, like, the youngest woman to ever be inducted into, like, ASCAP, which is, like, the Association for Songwriters. Right. And, like, a lot of people who we consider, like, the best artists of all time didn't write their music. Like, Whitney Houston didn't write... The only person that I think did write all of their music and that's why they're, like, filthy rich is, like, Mariah Carey. Yeah. This would be an okay argument if the songs didn't knock. They're amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's like... Who the fuck cares? Hundreds of artists are performing songs written by other people, but there's still only one Beyonce. All that does is show me that on top of being talented as a singer... As a dancer, as a mother, she also has the the skill of discernment. Like, you can put things in front of her and she's like, that one. Yeah. And she makes it fucking amazing. Amazing. Then there are people who say, like, oh, she can't sing or dance, which is... I, I genuinely don't know if these people believe that when they say it, because it is very easily debunked. And she's singing while she does it. Like, it's on, like professional athlete status like do you know the amount of endurance that it takes in order to do like egyptian scales that she does over like pop music while like hitting like an eight count Mm-hmm. And keeping her breath in control. Like, that's insane. I thought of that this morning while I was singing in the shower and I, like, lost my breath. <laughs> and that was just from, like, shaking the shampoo bottle to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> the next one is when people are like, oh, Beyonce can't act. And you know what? That might be true. That one is true. Yes. We'll give you that one. Uh, and we have to accept that and get over it. Even though Foxy Cleopatra single-handedly revived the Austin Powers franchise. Carmen a Hip Opera is a just <laughs> work of art. Didn't she murder Idris Elba in like a movie? She was married to Idris Elba and obsessed when she was like... And when she fought that white lady, that was like from <laughs> from um, the original back. Yeah, exactly. The point is, is she Meryl Streep? No, Meryl Streep wishes. But okay. we're all good at something, right? Also, the movie the movie screen is too limited for the force that is Beyonce. Yeah, that's like one medium. So she needs all of them. Also, there is something about acting in music videos where, like Lemonade, she is performing and acting in a way that is absolutely gorgeous and beautiful and not every actor could do necessarily she she's performed like she's in love with jay-z for like 20 years (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) i ain't say nothing about that um then there's like people are like oh beyonce thinks she's a god Uh, yes she thinks the truth. Next, um, people are like, oh, Beyonce acts like she invented feminism or that she's not a feminist. It's one or the other. 
That's what they say. It's so annoying because people always want to, like, examine and scrutinize her feminism. And I just don't understand why, because it's like, do you see how many people have, A, come to understand, like, what feminism means? Like, her using that, like, quote from Chimamanda Adichie, like, that just says that feminism is, like, economic, political, and social equality of the sexes was such a easy way to explain the concept yeah. and she had such a big platform in order to do it so like why are you mad like I don't right. understand that I yeah I like genuinely believe that that using that quote like made millions of people understand what feminism it is. It literally did for the popular masses what Tumblr did for like people who grew up after MTV stopped playing music videos like they got access to language that they needed in order to express how they were feeling that they didn't have access to before. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Uh, Betty Friedan, who? <laughs> Gloria Steinem, who? Beyonce. Exactly. Then there's people who are like, oh, she's in the Illuminati and like controls the the global government. I or fucking whatever. wish. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we would be so lucky if Beyonce were pulling the strings. Would you, if you, I don't, well, are you in the Illuminati, Matt? I cannot either confirm nor deny. <laughs> I will say that my body is triangle-shaped, so... <laughs> I mean, I would join. If the Illuminati were real, title would be more successful. <gasps> <laughs> oh my god. I was saying, I mean, I was honestly saying, like, if Beyonce couldn't get me to download title then that just is very representative of where that that streaming service is. But I did download it for like the Carter's Same. album. Yeah, for the Carter. <laughs> I just canceled it, but I also love that as I canceled it, we went to the concert where they just were giving, giving out, out six-month trials. Literally. Six-month free trials <sighs> to yeah. 50,000 people in one night. <laughs> like, yeah. Because they know you're not going to cancel it once you sign up. Yeah, but also... They don't know me. <laughs> I set a, an alarm in my calendar. I was like... <laughs> I have. I have signed up and canceled multiple times. Mm-hmm. And I now have, like, multiple different email addresses signed up to it. <laughs> but I think I pay for it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've, I've given them some money. I've given them a lot of money, actually. Like, I, I don't feel any sort of way because, like, Beyonce, like, literally has a direct deposit into my Chase account. I bought that goddamn coffee table book. That you have never opened. That I'm pretty sure I'm the only only owner of. Like, I don't know if anybody else bought that coffee table And how table much book. was it? Um, too much. <laughs> but it's a limited edition, and I will use it to kill a man one day. Because it weighs like 30 pounds. And that's it for this week's Deep Dive. Thank you to Josh for coming in and imparting your Beyonce wisdom upon us. And Barry for also being here. My guest complainer today is Erin Gibson. Erin is one of our favorite comedy queens. She's been on Parks and Rec, Community. She co-hosts the amazing podcast Throwing Shade and creator of Funnier Dies Gay of Thrones. Yes. With Jonathan Van Ness. Hi, Erin. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. We're having you back on the show. That's you, right. You have been a guest with Brian Safi, your co-host. My co-host, yep. Um, since we ha- we've had you on the show before, but we'll ask the same question we ask everybody, which is, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? 
I think, well, I, I think I hate rosé now. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. It's Controversial. Starting to, it's starting to s- taste like vomit. Have There's you thrown up a, a lot after nope, drinking rosé? Not once. It's not like whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Where I used to drink it out of a coffee cup in high school. Oh, no. That was when I didn't know the effects of whiskey. <laughs> but rosé now is starting to taste like either either throw up or soap. I have drank so much wine as as now like part of my job that like every glass of wine is terrible. So it's Are you that's so sad. Can I tell you an embarrassing thing I did just 2 days ago? Uh we went to this nice restaurant here in LA and I was drinking a whiskey drink and this man came up and was like, "Oh, you're not drinking wine?" which is like a lot of people say that to me and I'm like, "No, I'm drinking whiskey." And he was like, "Oh, I'll get you another one." And he did and I I Barry was with me and I was like, "Oh yeah, this happens all the time." And only like 45 minutes later did I realize he was the sommelier and he was just asking if I was drinking wine because <laughs> that's his fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> he it was more of a personal affront to him that you weren't drinking and less yeah. of a fan moment. <laughs> like literally his job is to just ask, "Oh, you're not drinking wine?" <laughs> and I just was like, "Oh, yes, this is all about me right now." But now also like fuck him for being so arrogant. <laughs> like I'm not. You can see I'm not. Like yeah. why are we talking about it? Right, right. Also, I don't need a, like the the concept of a sommelier to me is like I don't need someone to tell me what I would like to order. One of my friends I've known for the longest time is a wine writer. Uh-huh. And but I still can't deal with the fact that I don't understand the entire system. Right. Like isn't everything oaky? Isn't everything <laughs> floral? Yeah. Every you can smell whatever you want if you believe hard enough. Yeah. yeah. And what if you have a cold? It's totally different. Exactly. I don't know. Um this is just a wild left turn because I have no good transitions. But I want to ask about uh so you were at just for laughs in Montreal. Oh, yeah. I want to just get angry about this because I, I, I am so angry about it, and I wasn't even there. For people who don't know, I mean, there were a lot of things that happened. So many things. <laughs> One was uh, Southern Mama, some YouTube guy, whose stuff I haven't seen, and I, like, live on the internet. He also describes himself as the fastest-growing comedian on ever. So he was like one of the the variety comics to watch, one of ten. Somehow, the only like straight white man of the ten. Yeah, I know he like didn't get along very well with the other comedians, and then he was, straight up started a fight on one of the panels that he was on. Yeah, and then was outspoken about the fact that he like thought comedy was not a space to talk about race and gender, um, but also like w- just didn't really tell jokes no by the jokes. sound of it. It was just I like... I think he told one joke that has been attributed to Buster Keaton or something. <laughs> yeah. The, his opening joke was like, a toast to our, our wives and girlfriends, may they never meet. Yes. And Which it's is like, a uh... joke from 1923. He just, I mean, I feel two ways about him. Number one, I just feel like, I guess there's a space for everyone if uh-huh. they, to do whatever they want. I'm not going to be like a First Amendment cook <laughs> or whatever. But I think that he, at a certain point, what I think people aren't talking about is the fact that he started all this shit with these queer people of color, other the other comedians on the panel, and started shit trying to tell them what is and is not appropriate, and he doesn't even do stand-up. And then, then he was allowed to then later that day perform on a showcase with them right no one ever thought everyone was like oh what an asshole but no one ever thought like hey is this putting our other performers in danger that Mm -hmm. this guy is so combative and so hostile yeah 
Because that's a fear. I mean, as a woman, if I'm in a room with a bunch of guys, straight guys, I am a, I'm immediately like, where's the exit? <laughs> <laughs> Even if I'm not thinking it, I'm like subconsciously going, how do I get out of this if I need to? Yeah. So I feel like there was that thing that I I didn't really see people talking about. And also, there was a discussion of whether or not people should talk about this online and give him more yeah. of a platform. Right, right. I don't think there's a bright answer for it. No, no. That An extension of that has been like, we're only talking about him and not the nine other people who are amazing. And yeah, and I I love all other nine people. Most of them have been guests on this show, and like, yeah, we should keep talking about all of them. I uh, get it's 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 it's, but you can also justify it like, look, this is still going on. Yeah, and this shouldn't be happening. And where were the where were the checks and balances to keep this guy from um, you know verbally attacking these other these strangers yeah who we should be you know I don't know asking for tips on how to be a better comedian and <laughs> yeah. how do you tell a joke and what's the setup <laughs> well another uh, thing I was reading touched on this which is like in improv which you're like an improv person right yeah. you're like UCB yeah X. If, I mean, I used to. Yeah, yeah. I dabble. I couldn't take the 11 p.m. <laughs> Tuesday night rehearsals anymore. Yeah. But there was an article I was reading that was like part of the scary thing about being like marginalized within the comedy community. If you're like part of an improv class and you're on a, a show with a straight white man, you have to kind of go along with his his choices on stage, which might be racist or or bigoted or something like have you experienced that okay i actually have a great story so susan messing was my first improv teacher in chicago Mm -hmm. she's she's kind of a legend there she is a legend there and she had this really i don't even know if this applies now but i really i always think about it she was like when a guy calls you a slut on stage when a straight white guy calls you a slut on stage or does something aggro like that you go i sure am you want to see all my abortions (laughs) <laughs> and you make him regret yeah. ever saying that. You have to teach people. It's kind of a hard place to come from because you have to out. You have to like top from the bottom a little bit because yeah. they're always trying to be like, no, you're going to do this. I'm going to call the shots. Blah blah blah. So I always thought about that. Like, how do you? How do you? How do you make someone instantly regret everything they just said? Yeah, without looking like an asshole. In improv, you. People know the deal that you're yes anding, and you're like, okay, you want to go here? Let's do it. I'm fucking. I'm going to show you how wrong you are. <laughs> right. But I don't know if you can do. I don't know if you can do that now without looking like you're also an asshole. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. But I think oh, no. I think like that's you have to like fight fire with fire. She's a nihilist though. She's like. <laughs> she's, <laughs> that's where we've we've come as she's a like, society. Yeah, suck his dick on stage. <laughs> like, Wait, hold on, Susan. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, the best the best defense is a good offense. You know? Yeah, tell him to pull his dick out and stick it in your butt. Okay. But yeah, I mean, that is part of the scary thing about improv. It feels like you kind of are giving up a little bit of control. Yes, but when it's with people you really trust and you love, it yeah. feels really good. Yeah. And, you've, and it's really fun because you get to find new things together. I just – I think that – I just think it's really hard to – how do you put that – Group together because usually with improv groups you either put yourself together or your cast together and yeah that's just it it's like a certain magic that has to happen yeah I don't know how you do it I don't that's why I just get do a casting stand-up. director <laughs> I'm like you're fuck smart it. you don't have to deal with anyone's schedule you don't have to deal with anyone else's thing I also you was... get all the glory and all the defeat right yeah that's the that's the hard part though is like you have a 
bad show. It's just you and your sorrows. And you have to go back to a hotel room and just like lie there. Oh, I heard a rule about that. You're only allowed to be as upset as the set last. Oh, interesting. So if it was five minutes. So f- five hours. Five <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> then multiply by hours. 30 minutes, 30 hours. <laughs> uh, yeah. The other thing that I saw that you you talked a lot about was um, Hannah Gadsby performed. Yeah. And Nanette is like, I, I've only watched it once and I feel like I need to savor it and and go back and watch it like at half speed just so I can fully I feel like it like shook me to my core she's you know a, a lesbian middle-aged comic uh, who has kind of says she's made her career on self-deprecating humor it was it was when I, I watched it like the weekend it came out and because uh, I got texts from many people that yeah. were like if you don't watch this I can't talk to you on Monday yeah <laughs> and I it was so confusing because at some points I was like crying. Yeah. And I was, isn't it crazy to like watch comedy and just be Sob. crying and then be like, <laughs> yeah. yes, and then laughing and yeah. just getting exactly what she said and being so honest and raw. And she changed the game. Yeah. And it was so obvious at JFL because everyone was freaking the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. All the straight guys were losing their shit. <laughs> Good. They couldn't. Handle so she was on a showcase with um, like eight other comedians, uh-huh. and she was doing like a five or seven minute set. I wouldn't say like her set was like the best; it wasn't the worst, and everyone was there to see. Her. Everyone was just there to see her, yeah, do whatever the fuck she wants. You yeah. know, like she even did a long thing where she, the mic stand was wobbly, and she was she said, "As a lesbian, I it really bothers me that I can't fix this right now." <laughs> and I don't even think she was meant it to be funny, but everyone was like, "Yes, whatever you say, we love yeah, you." Yeah, yeah. So it was really doubly then making all the straight guys angry because they were like, oh, she could just get up there and talk about a wobbly mic stand and being a dyke and then everyone's going to laugh. Yeah. Oh, I'm mad about this. And they would they, – they went up – it got increasingly hostile on the show. It's so, it's so absurd because it's just like you're watching them melt down but also they're just proving her point. Like the more and more they go, it's just like well, you're, just, you're just playing yourself right now. What, also – if you think you're so much funnier than her, then get up and do some fucking jokes. <laughs> Don't complain and whine and be a baby about it. Yeah. This idea, too, that there's only finite amount of success for everybody is so fucked up. And it's yeah. it's just I, – I think it's totally divisive in a community that would be great if we could all kind of band together and help each other. Yeah. I know that's like a hippie thing to say, but <laughs> there's no – the people who want – us to think that are people in charge who are giving out the TV shows. Yeah. And that doesn't have anything to do with us and our friends. Right, right. And it never has. So yeah. don't be a dick to your fucking, your colleague. Right. Because she got a Netflix special and everyone's talking about her. Yeah. Do you, I, I've seen so many people, even people who are not like straight white dudes, feel like Nanette like truly changed the way that they think about making comedy. Like I, it fucked me up where I'm like, I need to like throw everything away that I've ever done and like start over and be like, just like, I think In the, what thing, way? the thing that shook me the most, she had, a, she had this thing about like self-deprecating humor. But when you're on the margins, self-deprecating humor kind of crosses the line from being humble to humiliating yourself for the sake of other people's laughs. It's like, you know, people – you're kind of getting people to laugh at you and not really with you, which, you know – 
you can debate whether or not that's entirely true. You're still owning the laugh. You're still like getting up there and owning it, even if you are poking fun at yourself. But it made me think a lot about like, if I get up on stage and tell jokes about myself and being gay, am I like giving people permission to laugh at gay people who maybe shouldn't have that permission. Yeah. And it may, it just made me think way more about like who actually is the butt of the jokes that I'm telling. I also think that with her, t- the timing of her special coming out, it just feels like people who are on the margins have more, I don't want to say permission, but it's safer for yeah. us to say like, no, fuck you. I'm going to make fun of you. You're not going to make fun of me. I'm going to make fun of you. And I'm not going to step here and make fun of myself because we're going to talk about what, how fucked up you are right now. Yeah. Guy in power or person in power or whatever. That didn't necessarily feel as safe to do, I think, pre-Me Too mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it felt like, oh, well, you're just a, you're just an angry bitch or yeah. you're just an angry gay man. Yeah. You're just angry. And now it's like, well, no, I can be angry and funny at the same time. Yeah. This doesn't have to be just a punching myself in the face situation. Right, right. Yeah, there there was uh, this other thing. I I feel like I've read like everything piece about like just for laughs and everything. But like there's a the a lineup on Netflix, the stand-ups I think where it's just like 15-minute sets from a bunch of people, most of whom are like just not like a straight white dude. Uh and most of them like get up there and at least the first joke is like about what makes them not a straight white person, like what sets them apart. And that impulse comes from a place of like most audiences like the default is a straight white dude so you have to like in order to get the audience on your side you have to point out what makes you different well we need to also make sure i mean i don't there just needs to be some sort of initiative too to be like i i'd love to have an audience at the improv that's not all that's not a bunch of bros from orange county (laughs) that'd be nice wouldn't yeah (laughs) i remember okay this has nothing to do with comedy but it is tangential so i was at the magic castle Uh which is a as you do (laughs) you go you know it's a tuesday you got nothing to do you're in a full tuxedo magic castle for one of their delicious steaks and and hand tricks and sleight of hand hand tricks is a different thing <laughs> so you were just turning tricks at the magic castle right, in the, right next to the telephone that you pick up and then you see a skeleton um that's a real thing i don't know what the trick is you're just like there's a skeleton behind the mirror um i'm supposed to be scared i'm you know i right. have a right. i have a 10 year old car um i've been an adult for a while so they there was a guy there who does this amazing thing where he does um silhouette cut uh, portraits but he does them with scissors uh-huh so he'll cut your silhouette out of a black piece of paper with a pair of scissors and it's fucking brilliant and this guy is probably the only guy in the universe who does it and uh-huh. i was just so fascinated with him and he said yeah a lot of I was just talk, I was talking to him too long. Yeah, he <laughs> needed to make money, and I was like, I need to know everything about you, Mark, or whatever his name is. And he said a lot of guys won't do it because they think it's gay. <laughs> what? And I was like, wait, they Bros. think their profile is gay? <laughs> Silhouettes are gay. But I think about that when I think about like. Mad, like places like the Magic Castle, places like the Improv, places like the Comedy Store, they have just traditionally been like that's where dudes go to laugh. Yeah, and we've got to change that. Yeah, comedy places need to be pl- comedy venues need to be places where everyone feels safe and everyone feels welcome. Right, right. So I think it's twofold. It's like the comedians feeling like they're safe to say whatever they want to say, and then the audience also being representative of who the comedians are on stage. Yeah. 
Do you feel like you like are typically performing for people who are like they listen to your podcast and like they're coming out for Please, you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I rarely I rarely have to have my like ass handed to me <laughs> unless I go really far too deep and then everyone's like, no, Aaron, you can't do that. Yeah, I mean, do you go? I go back and forth between like, should I go try to do something at an open mic and see how it goes? Like as a thing of like, am I really funny? Yeah, can I, I make a bunch of strangers laugh? I don't know. I feel I feel guilty about it. Like I like I should be able to do that. Uh, but also, you get to there's it's you know this is part of it. I think now that we're talking about it, it's like, do I really deserve this as a person who's been on the margins? Like, do I yeah. really deserve this thing? Maybe I should go do this other thing. Right. <laughs> put myself in danger and like <laughs> yeah. have people throw beer bottles at my head. Right. I purposely make myself uncomfortable. Yeah. Has there been like a venue that you've been to where you're like, I can't believe I just had to do that? Well, no, but I remember there was a green room we, we were in once in Atlanta that was the, it had, uh, the floor was unfinished. Uh-huh. I'm not talking like it was like raw concrete. I'm saying it was like dirt. <laughs> dirt. <laughs> and there was the electric meteors for the whole building was in there were in there. Uh-huh. And there was nowhere to so we were just in a we were in a utility closet. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I think this is what we deserve. Yeah. I think this is exactly what we deserve. I do think there's a couple of cities that definitely have different tones. Yeah. Like Boston's tough. Mm-hmm. Like you better bring your A game when you come to Boston and San Francisco. I was scared of Boston because I've heard stories about how like if you bomb in Boston, they'll like beat the shit out of you. <laughs> like so you'll get beat up back like in the alley behind the comedy club. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're like you wasted my time and my money. Yeah, yeah. I I make I make some offhand joke about like because I was Catholic. Um, I was like raised Catholic. I like the way that you said it. I was <laughs> yeah. Catholic. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, I know what you went through. Well, right. I don't know exactly what you went through, but I know kind of what you went through. <laughs> I was never an altar boy. Okay, like good. I never I was never around any priests for an extended period of time. Not alone, never alone. Uh, but I've made some joke along those lines in Boston. And that was uh, yeah, that's like you might as well spit in the Pope's face. They're like, we're still covering up crimes. <laughs> How <Yeah>. dare you? <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. This is we're we've all seen spotlight. There's no you can't ignore this. No. We there. I was asking my aunt about that because they all went to Catholic school, and I was like, "Do you think anyone in the family was anything happened?" And she she was like, "Well, I don't know for sure, but I do know that um, Father O'Leary used to take an all boys trip to Myrtle Beach. Oh it, people would let the fucking priest take their boys to Myrtle Beach for the for a week. Uh, Can you imagine in the seventies? Like it's not the forties where you're dumb." Right. I don't know why right. I thought people in the seventies were way smarter. <laughs> the years that we poisoned the environment, people yeah. were letting that happen. This might be unrelated. In fact, it probably is unrelated. But my, I never went to like Catholic like day school. Like I, I didn't go to like Catholic the private school. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. I had like uh, you know a weekly like kind of Sunday school thing after CCD. You just I don't dipped, know if you had dipped your toe in. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but my dad uh, went to like private Catholic school all throughout his childhood, no. and in high school they had to do like gym class, swimming naked. This is just a Chicago thing. Apparently, it's a what? Chicago. I I feel like. My spotlight is going to be uncovering that this was, like, an absurd (laughs) thing. Because Barry's dad also said the same thing, where they had to do, like, high school swimming class completely naked and have, like, chicken fights. (gasps) 
That is that is rentboy.com. That's what that is. My dad told this to us and none of us believed him. He tried Was he what was his angle like? This is a crazy thing and everyone's like, "Dad, you were well, I because I was always like I still am like nerd chubby gay when I was in high school I was like I'm not taking gym class whatever you have to do like get the doctor to write me a note it got me nowhere uh, I, I was like I have swimmer's ear if like a drop of water gets in my ear my brain will explode and the doctor was like I'll write you a prescription for earplugs <laughs> so I was that kid with like earplugs nose plug goggles but my dad was like I had, like, you'll get through it. I had to swim naked. <laughs> it was like, get over I it. I am shocked. Yeah. And we we didn't really believe him and until one day we were listening to, like, the radio in the car. <gasps> Why boys swam naked in Chicago high school. And what's the answer? A, a WBEZ <laughs> report. I just assumed, like, whenever I heard this story that it was, like, that was normal. Like, kids in the 70s were just naked, I guess. But just for swimming. Yeah. Not for any other. Why? Because it resembles a bath? Is that what it, it's because they're wet? I think it's like san, like sanitary reasons. Yeah. That makes no sense. <laughs> this is me. I would be the superintendent that would justify it. Don't you want your butthole and your pee uh, hole to just be anything that's going to come off of it just to be inside your bathing suit? Yeah. I don't know how we got on this topic besides me just Cat you were raised Catholic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I don't think it was necessarily related. Cause so it wasn't just Catholic schools. It was all public schools? And yeah. it wasn't the girls. No. Uh boy I mean they swam separately. Right. But so, did the girls have to swim nude with each other and also chicken fight? No. That's why I think it's a weird gender thing. Yeah. You're making the guys fight naked, but not the girls. <laughs> Like, be equal with your weirdness. Yeah. Uh, Girls, punch each other. Get in the water and take off your clothes and punch each other in the face. So did you go to, like, Catholic school or just, like, weekly? No, my mom was went to Catholic school, but we just went. My mom was weird about religion. She yeah. was She was very, like, the church felt like, I know she was, she wasn't sexually abused by the church, but she was definitely, like, beaten and stuff with yeah. rulers and things like that. So she had that part of her but then she also felt kind of safe at church so whenever we'd move we'd find the catholic church and then go to that which is weird in the south being a catholic in texas is it's like being jewish because it's like no one is catholic most people are like evangelical baptist methodist yeah yeah, born again christian evangelical yeah they don't understand catholicism yeah uh my dad's brother slapped a nun and got expelled (laughs) because they they always use like corporal punishment and one day he was like Had he enough. fought back and got expelled <laughs> so it's so hope, sad kids. to think people didn't take the side of kids in that situation <laughs> yeah yeah how hopeless must you be to be like well i'm gonna go to school get the shit kicked out of me and i'm gonna come home my parents aren't gonna care <laughs> yeah yeah i that's always so weird to me i i feel like i've seen a lot of like older comics make jokes like that when it's like when i when we were young if i got beat up and told my mom she'd go thank the guy who did it and it's like what is wrong with you that's you why baby abused. boomers ruined the world because they were like fuck <laughs> yeah. no one was here for us so fuck everybody 
they were burning it down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, I did not go to a daily Catholic school. You um, just got the weekend treatment. We should. Well, I, I do want to ask you about your book. Yeah. So your book is Feminasty. Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there a subtitle? Yeah. The Complicated Woman's Guide to Surviving the Patriarchy Without Drinking Herself to Death. Which I'm sure you can appreciate the last part. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very hard not to just drink yourself into a stupor these days. <laughs> Although uh, I managed to do it anyway. <laughs> how? What was the process of writing like? I'm going to be very honest. Yeah. Author to author. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not going to say that writing a book is fun. No. And I'm not going to say that it was enjoyable. <laughs> right. But I was I feel really proud of myself that I've done it and it felt really good when it was over. Yeah. I felt like, "Oh my god, it was almost like hmm, I'm trying to think of a way I could do this without being insulting to anybody, but like I do feel like I was in a fugue state when I was doing it, uh-huh. just like stress style writing and yeah. just getting it done. And then when I finally had it done, I was like, I did something that was so incredibly hard. And I'm really proud of myself. Yeah. And I would love to write, it, write another one. That's <laughs> what a damaged person does. You go <laughs> yeah. through a really stressful experience. And you're like, more, please. Right, right. <laughs> it was, but you know what's good? I mean, I don't know if you felt like this about, about your book, which is very personal also, but um, mine is a mix of, stats and statistics and and kind of patterns of what what are happening to women in ways that they may or may not realize uh-huh. mixed in with my personal experience and I I felt like when I first started writing it I was really mad at a lot of people and then by the time I was done I could find forgiveness and then write it in a different way where I didn't seem so angry about the stuff that had happened to me and felt more like oh no this is I actually needed to go through this so I could tell this story yeah not that I not that I would ever be like, let's go have a bunch of bad experiences so I can write about it. But just having more of a, yeah. a healthier outlook on stuff like my parents are have are a May-December romance. They uh-huh, there's uh-huh. there's 16 years difference. I didn't realize that I had until I wrote this book that I had had this pattern of dating older men and I didn't really understand. I just thought I was like, I'm just too mature, which is not true. It's because my parents yeah. set up that that pattern and then I, you know – followed it right and then here's why i think it's disgusting <laughs> <laughs> having been an 18 year old who slept with a 35 year old because uh-huh. i thought like oh this makes me an adult right just, just unraveling all of that all of that kind of damage and stuff to be like oh actually this is why i was doing it and this is why i don't think it's right but if you have a relationship that's like this and it's healthy great but let's make sure it's healthy let's make sure everyone's on equal footing here yeah because oftentimes it's not yeah I do like that there's, like, a, a, a through line, though, that it's not just, a, like, a random stories. I – it's really just, like, how can – I? but it's sort of – it is a lot of stories, but, but couched in, like, hey, here's what I went through. You probably went some, through something similar. Mm-hmm. I don't – something adjacent. And this is how it affects us in the bigger picture and why we have to address this. And just seeing – I don't know, just kind of outing that stuff yeah. in a way that doesn't feel like I'm just like, I'm an expert. This is why you should listen to me. It's like, no, I, you know, have had this surgery or I've been through this or this thing has happened to me. And this is why I think you should listen to me because I've been through it and here I'm on the other side. And and I know a lot of stuff about, you know, STDs and breast cancer and a lot of other scary things that people don't want to talk about. Yeah. And I know about them. Unfortunately, <laughs> Unfortunately <laughs> yeah. I know firsthand about all those things. But yeah, you're an expert. 
I'm an expert and you are- on terrible things. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody should should trust everything you say. Um, With a grain of salt, trust everything I say. <laughs> I, I want to quickly transition to um, – Basically, I, w- I pulled a bunch of your tweets um, about a variety of topics, and I just want to expand on uh, these are things that you, you want. You, you want three hundred characters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I want an expansion. Um, the song "Hey Baby" by No Doubt. You hate this song. I don't like it. According to, according to a tweet you sent in two thousand nine. Okay, <laughs> we went far. Oh, you back. know what? Because I have I've been I've been very heavy on Instagram the last year and a half. Well, <laughs> your tweet was what I, I hate the song "Hey Baby" by No Doubt more than the apartheid. <laughs> <laughs> just... That was back when you could joke about something like that. You know, there weren't real problems. <laughs> I hadn't even read the full tweet until just now. I have to pull up. Okay, well, first of all, there's <laughs> there's only seven words in the whole song. Is there really? I don't know. Hey, if baby. Hey, baby. Hey, girls say, boys say, hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, hey, baby, baby. That's the chorus. Yeah, well, I mean, this, yeah. Here's what it is. Okay, I'm the kind of girl that hangs with the guys. First of all, fuck you. You've diluted our power. You've made us a weaker gender. This is why we don't can't have nice things. Yeah. Like a fly on the wall with my secret eyes. I don't know what that means. Taking it all in, trying to be feminine. It just is reinforcing this weird, like... Yeah. I'm a, I'm a girl, but I just like hanging with guys because guys are so fun. It's like, well, I guess you've been hanging out with bitches and you can't find better friends. I don't know what that is. It's yeah. a weird thing that girls do sometimes. Coldplay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, I, feel- I don't know why all these tweets are from 2009. No, I love it. Please, uh, let's, see, let's, see, let's revisit who I was. <laughs> has someone already used cold puke to describe Coldplay? <laughs> not a good joke. <laughs> This is not a good joke. I love it. It's perfect. Uh, that is a tweet from someone who used to love Coldplay and is now embarrassed about it. Just a full disclosure. Uh, there, I, I think this is related, but uh, when you forget why you were angry about something is is one of them, which I, I think is appropriate. This is and, the Coldplay situation. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't – here's what's fucked up about the Trump presidency. <laughs> I can't even allow myself to be angry about petty things like this anymore yeah. because my energy is so wrapped up in like, are there children dying in detention centers? Yeah. I really just, I really want our world to just be back to the freedom that I had where I could just complain about Coldplay. That's yeah. all I want. That's my neutral. That's my neutral is like, oh, this stupid thing. I can just complain about this. I don't know if we'll ever be back there. Like, I started listening to Dave Matthews Band again. That's how bad it is right now. I was like, oh, this does take me back to a nicer place. You're just, like, reverting back to, like, your caveman times. It's really weird. I've been listening to a lot of music from high school. Yeah. Out of nowhere. It's so weird. It's like a blanket. It's like a gravity blanket, which I want. Yeah. Do you yeah. want one of those? I do want a gravity yeah. blanket. But I'm, it's I'm too hot right convinced that it will actually make a difference. I've heard from two people that it's fantastic, and they're the only two people I know who own one. I'll absolutely order one, like, the second I walk out of here now. The rumor is there's glass beads in it, so you can never destroy it, because then you have glass all over your house. <laughs> God forbid I rip my blanket, and what I have having, shards of glass uh, in my skin. What if you have a full charcuterie plate on your lap <laughs> while, you're watching, yeah. while you're watching the fall, and you accidentally stab a, 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 you know, a hard cheese knife through it? 
what an absurd situation. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> but like, you're just sleeping with like a plate of glass on you. It's like the weight of it. It's yeah. somehow. Well, we'll find out when I, I can't wait. when I wake up in a pile of my own blood. I want to see it unboxed. I want to see the whole thing. <laughs> I want to see you experience it for the first time. Well, I, f- I think we can make that happen. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> where can people find you and your work? Oh, well, um, you can get the book on Feminacity.com. There's a bunch of links to different retailers depending on your who you're angry at and who you're not. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then I'm at Gibblertron. That's my last name if I was a robot. G-I-B-B-L-E-R-T-R-O-N. And the book comes out September 4th. And then Throwing Shade comes out every Thursday. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is, you're always a fucking delight. Thank you. Thanks for being on. Is it hard being being such a delight? Um, yes. Yes. (laughs) It is exhausting and I'm going to have to go take a nap to get over it. You've earned it. All right. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down. Barry, do you have a chaser? I do have a chaser. What is it? Originally, it was going to be the concert that you took us to. But now. But my chaser this week does include a time where we were talking about on the run tour. (laughs) True. It's Pop Rocket. So there's this podcast called Pop Rocket, and it's usually hosted by Guy Branham, who has been a friend of the pod. Um, and we were on their show, and it was my, I, I'm, act, I'm on mic for it, and it was my first time being on a podcast that I was not producing. So that was a fun chaser for me. Uh, it was it was a great conversation. It, it should be out by the time this episode comes out. So if you want to go listen to it, Matt and I are on it. And yeah, it was a good time. It made me happy. That was my chaser for the week. Your first and only time (laughs) on a podcast that you have not produced. So don't get used to it. All right. What about you, Matt? My chaser is a franchise. It is a piece of American iconography. It is a piece of our culture. It is Mamma Mia. Because I have been listening to Mamma Mia, the soundtrack for what feels like forever. Even though I had just watched the movie Mamma Mia for the very first time, like a month ago. And then we watched it together and this past we week, and it was my first time. Again. And it's a horrible movie, even though it was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Picture. <laughs> it was so fun, though. And Meryl Streep was nominated for, as Best Actress, which feels like it's only because it's Meryl Streep. But I don't give a shit, okay? It's amazing. And now, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again is out, and Cher is putting out an entire cover album of ABBA songs. What? Yes. I did not know this. How did you not know this? It's all that the internet has been talking about. And by the internet, I mean like five gay people that I follow. (laughs) Um, She just released the first teaser song, which is Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. Anyway, Mamma Mia, what a joy. And that's it. Thanks for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. 
Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Media. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Claire Ty, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman, Max Linsky, Josh Gwynn, and Dana at Earwolf. Music by Hansdale Sue. You can find me on all the social medias at Matt Belisai. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, bye-bye.